The emergence of COVID-19 has forced the legal industry to rapidly undergo a fundamental transformation. I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. Today's guest is Allison Wolf, one of the foremost lawyer coaches in the country. Allison, it's an important time to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, Jack, it's great to be here. I'm thrilled. This is fun. I look forward to our conversation. Allison, first and foremost, how are you and your family doing? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, we're, act- we're doing great. Um, it's, it's a difficult time. I have family in New York, um, and uh, I have a, fam- uh, a, a cousin who's very close to me, and he works in the, um, uh, for the transit. And uh, so you can imagine I've been thinking a lot about him. And uh, most fortunately, uh, he had a bit of a scare, but was tested and is negative um, and is safe. So that was a huge relief. So we're, we're all doing well. And, and maybe an extension of that question, what, what do you find to be on your mind most right now, Allison? Definitely, it's helping my clients. Um, I have my clients a lot in my head during the day. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are going through a lot of different kinds of things right now. I mean, I think that the, the one thing we can say is everybody's experiencing heightened levels of stress um, and uncertainty. But the, the form of the challenges and the way that it's, you know, showing up in people's lives and the kind of challenges people are facing um, are different, really different. Um, and there's a lot of different things going on. So I'm thinking about them. And when I'm not thinking about my clients, I'm thinking about how can I kind of keep my own balance so that I can show up every day, right? Right. Allison, you have extensive experience coaching lawyers to be more effective leaders I'm wondering if you can answer two questions for me. For those of you that don't know, what is a lawyer coach? What's a coach in general? And and in your mind, what does effective leadership look like in the the midst of a crisis? I know that ICF has a a definition on their website, which goes something like, um, let me remember it. It's a thought, coaching is a thought provoking and creative process that inspires clients Uh, to maximize their personal and professional potential. Um, For me, I really think about clients and my work as partnering with lawyers um, to really help them increase their self-awareness, to expand their outlook, uh, to confront barriers, maximize opportunities, and I think more than anything to create a lasting transformation. And so that's a whole big mouthful of a lot of things. So what does that look like in practice? In practice, you know, it's coaching lawyers who are hitting productivity challenges, such as being um, sort of caught in firefighting mode day in and day out. Um, it can also be about helping, helping associates in the pre-partnership years with uh, doing what they need to do and what they want to do to attain a partnership if that's one of their goals. Or they may be even wondering if partnership is a goal. Um, in that way, too, it, coaching can be helping lawyers um, on kind of career decisions they need to make and career transitions. And certainly a big part of coaching is, is business development coaching, which is helping lawyers grow thriving practices with more uh, profitable and in, interesting and fulfilling work. Um, whatever you, however you look at it, it really is about um, helping a lawyer get from this is a goal, this is something I want to make happen to making it happen. It's about that journey. And I'd say the difference with counseling is counseling is really focused a little bit on mental health. 
And sometimes I think in counseling, there might be a look backwards at the past. I think in coaching, we're really forward focused from this moment onwards, right? And we're focused on what do I want to make happen and how am I going to get there? Um, I think that in a nutshell is what coaching is all about. Can you just tell us a little bit about how coaches typically work with, with clients just for, for anyone that's, I'm sure many of our listeners have uh, never worked with a coach, maybe didn't even know this concept of coach in the form that you're describing exists. It's, it's a bit of a concept that I think has really found its stride in the last handful of, of, of years. And we're seeing it talked about a lot more. Um, tell us what it looks like. Uh, you know, do you, how often do you meet? What kinds of meetings do you have? Sure. Love to talk about it. It's so interesting because when I started off as a coach back when I was trained in 2004, I would tell lawyers I was a coach and they're like, oh, you coach Little League? Um, right, and, right. Uh, it was really, it was interesting. And um, so the, yeah, the, the practice of coaching and the demand for it has grown hugely. So I'm going to give you two answers to that question because I'm an International Coach Federation certified coach. And that's important. Um, the International Coach Federation is a body that certifies coaches and they have standards of practice and excellence and, and, and ethics. And we have to, when you become a certified coach of the ICF, you have to hit a certain standard of practice. So here's what most coaches will tell you. Here's the truth. We know how to hit the standard of practice, and I'm going to tell you about that. And then when we're in our coaching practice, we might play with it a bit. And I'll explain what that is. The standard of practice when you're an International Coach Federation certified coach is that you're there to help your clients do their best thinking. You're there to help them experience transformation. You're there to help them bring out their own ideas, right? and find their own path. They have the best answer for themselves within them. Okay, so it's very much an ask deep questions and help people through your questions, help people kind of get their ahas and their breakthroughs. Right. This is fabulous, great. And here's what I know. We don't know what we don't know, <laughs> right? Like it's great to draw out the best answers, but here's the really big question, what if you're, your client doesn't have a clue, right? right. You don't know. So when you're a coach like myself and you're a lawyer coach, right? Which is that I work exclusively with the legal profession. We, I do that, right? We do that. And then also myself and my colleagues in this area, we bring a, like, we bring a whole practice full of experience working with hundreds and hundreds of other legal professionals um, and all that information and knowledge with us and we share ideas, right? So there's almost kind of like a consultant part to it, right? There's the coaching side to it, but there's also the practical, you know, here's something for you to consider, right? What do you, you know, what do you think of this, right? Or you've been, you've been working on this piece, you know, have you considered this, you know, these kind of things. So it's, to me, it's, it's a dynamic dance between what's a kind of a pure coaching approach and then a practical bring stuff, like bringing ideas to the table so that you become kind of a, um, a business partner, if you will, a thinking partner for your clients, and you help them to get to the answer faster. So for instance, I had a conversation with a lawyer two weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, I, you know, I was working with this company and I had an accountability coach, but in all our meetings, she would just have like, have me list off, you know, the things that I was going to do and have you done them. But that was it. It was just like a big list every day. There was no there was nothing brought to the table and, you know, it was interesting. And I've had other clients say, yeah, I worked with a coach and she just kept, you know, getting me to kind of share my ideas. And she told me I was brilliant, but I didn't actually learn anything or there was no breakthrough. And I think that's the, 
you know, there's a dance there that has to happen between, you know, really helping people lead with, you know, from their own agenda, because you have to be very sensitive to where people want to go and serve those needs. But at the same time, you know, you got your business partner, you're helping bring, you know, lots of ideas to the table. Yeah. You, you make an important point too, you know, and I've, I've worked with a CEO coach uh, over the years and this idea that they're teasing thinking out of you rather than giving you answers, I think is a really important distinction. This, this is, you know, maybe like a, 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 a sports coach, which you, you drew the, you know, an analogy to um, they're, they're they're really trying to achieve the highest performance they can out of, out of you by giving you the right kind of guidance. Um, a, a business coach is not really giving you guidance as much as asking you the right questions that prompt you to introspect and prompt you to kind of have your own, you know, realizations has, has been, been my experience. Yes. Um, so with, with that foundation of really understanding what, what is a coach and, uh, how, how does a business or a lawyer coach or a CEO coach differ from a, a sports coach? I think that's a great starting point for our discussion. Um, wh- when you're looking at your base of, of clients, what, what do you see as some of the traits of what, what leadership looks like and what great leadership looks like in this crisis? And I, I think many of our listeners, either in their, their law firm uh, situation or, or even their home situation, need to be leaders to their, uh, to their employees, to their partners, to their families. And, and being a leader in such an uncertain time is especially hard. Uh, do, you, do you have some thoughts on that or some, some insights that, that might be beneficial? So I, I do have some thoughts. Um, we're seeing all kinds of examples of leadership right now. And I'm going to intentionally not go down that path, but talk about like, what does, what's the best kind of leadership in this time? And I think one of the very important pieces, and it's just this quote that I heard, which is be, you know, be very aware of the energy you bring into the room, mm-hmm. right? And as leaders, whether it's the leader, a kind of a leadership role in your team or with your colleagues or in your family, I think being as leaders right now, we have to be very aware of how are we showing up um, and what's the message like, how are we, what's the energy we're bringing to our discussions with our, with our firms, with our right. organizations, right? And by that, I mean, you know, you're going to be stressed like everybody else, but it's very, very important, just like for me as a coach, to be able to engage in some of the own, my own practices for my own well-being so that when I show up for my clients or a leader shows up for their team um, and their organization, they're bringing their, their calm, best self to the table. They're modeling, they're modeling um, a, a positive frame of mind. They're mod- modeling, they're bringing forward a positive energy as opposed to um, kind of a shaken or disturbed energy. And it doesn't mean that you can't be transparent and come into the room and t- and with a positive energy and talk about the fact that, you know what, I had to do, I had to meditate for about 15 minutes today to kind of get myself back down to the ground, right? So I could be kind of have my feet on the ground again. That, that's transparency. That's, we're not saying that you have to pretend that you don't, you don't feel it. You don't, you don't get shaken. But when you're, in, you're, when you're going to be engaging with people, you're going to be engaging with your organization, with your team, you, gotta, you, you, you really got to do the personal work to bring that, that, that calm leader to, to, and that presence to the room. It's, it's vital. Um, one of the things that I've been seeing happening, and it's something to be aware of, it's very important. 
Um, I was in a conversation with Bina Stock the other day. She's a counselor, a lawyer, and uh, she was a former health law lawyer in Vancouver. She's now a counselor. And we were talking about stress. And it's very interesting because as stress levels go up, judgment goes down. So right. the more stressed you are, the lower your judgment. And here's the thing. You're impaired. And you don't know it. It's kind of like being a drunk driver. You know, hey, I can drive. Give me the keys. Well, I can lead this organization. I'm freaked out and stressed out, but I can lead. I'm a leader. Yeah, take the keys away, right? Right. Decisions you make when you're under stress are likely to be not great because you're not actually in your smart brain. You're back here in your amygdala. So back to that point, (laughs) be aware. Self-awareness for leaders right now. Where am I at? What's going on? What am I experiencing? What emotions am I feeling? Am I in a, am I being triggered right now? Am I being, you know, I, am I experiencing an amygdala hijack? All right, let me do some breathing, get myself down to ground and, you know, reset with a little bit of a parasympathetic reset through some slow, deep breaths. And then, okay, I'm back. These are things that are really important. And when I look around at law firms today, you know, I see some great decision-making and not to point fingers, but I can see some decision-making that sure looks like it was made in a stress, in a, at a high right. level of stress. And you probably, you know, you can probably look around and see the same sort of thing, Jack, right? Oh, you, you, you see it everywhere. And, you know, I, I think that it's, it's so hard, and, and maybe this is a great uh, segue into our, our next question, which is around dealing with uncertainty. And I, I, I think my response to to your observation there is what can look like panicked or irrational um, can seem calibrated and completely rational depending on the underlying assumptions that you have around what the state of the world's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think there's such large error bars around what the future looks like that you can justify almost any action as, as, as being justified given uh, the way the world's uh, evolving. And, you know, you wrote a, uh, a blog post about this very topic recently um, talking about uncertainty in the COVID-19 era. And I, I think your blog title was titled ex- aptly exactly that uncertainty in the COVID-19 era. If anyone wants to, to Google it and, and, and look it up, G- great article uh, and set of observations. Can you, can you share with us what some of your, your high level takeaways are for, for dealing with this, this uncertainty and then, and then maybe using that to calibrate your actions and again how you're coming across as a as a leader okay um so that article interestingly enough what it was was a um and i know you know this but um just for the people who are listening um it was i the lens that i looked at the uncertainty through in that in that blog post was grief and um there's a lot of different things going on for people right now and one of the words what we may not be associating with it is actually one that is very apt, which is grief. Right. So I think we think about grief as kind of the big G when uh, the kind of the ultimate, ultimately terrible thing happens and we lose a loved one, right? But, but grief is uh, a word that applies to a lot of different things. And so I had a, that, a whole blog post is based on a conversation I had with Michael Kahn, another counselor, and uh, he and I had a good conversation about grief. And I learned a lot from Michael in that conversation. And he was talking about, um, there's the grief, the grief of, of, uh, events that aren't taking place. Um, like I was going to be going and going to this amazing, um, trade show. I had a, you know, a client who was going to do a great thing at a trade show and it got canceled and that's grief. Um, yep. it can be, you know, 
Um, in Michael's case, he gave the example of turning, I think, you know, having a milestone birthday. And it was already going to be kind of a milestone birthday, the kind where you might grieve your lost youth. But, um, it, but it was one of those. And, uh, and, and in those this time too, right, not being able to celebrate as he would normally celebrate, it's a kind of grief. Um, so there's all kinds of griefs that are emerging, small and large. And so what's important to know with that? I think, and then a client of mine were, and I were talking about the same thing yesterday, and she had been conversing with her friends about this kind of grief, small g grief, I'll call it. But, yeah. but in saying so, what's important is just to notice um, and to allow oneself to feel that because there can be a sense of, well, I'm not in New York City. I haven't lost family members. So like my little, my little pain here is like nothing. And in fact, you know, it's okay to feel it. And it's, and there's no, what Michael said, and I think it's true is you don't want to get into comparing your grief with someone else's grief is just grief. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. And it's human. Right. So just notice these feelings when they come up and just pay attention for a moment and let yourself feel it and express it. And, and then it'll go, it'll, it'll flow through. But this feeling that is a leader, bring it to the leadership that I'm not allowed to feel like I need to show up strong, tough, whatever it is for my, for my people. doesn't mean I can be feeling this stuff. No, no. It's when you, you absolutely have to allow the feelings in. You have to notice them. And there's a practice for that, right? Which is just pausing and noticing. Hey, I'm feeling something right now. What am I feeling? Yeah. Getting curious for just a second, just a moment. What does that look like in my body? Where, where do I feel that? Is it in my gut? You know, is it in my chest? Is it my shoulders? And just watch it for a second and it'll, it'll start to dissolve and take some deep breaths and it's past, right? And that's how you deal with grief. And that's how you deal with the intense emotions that are coming up. But when you try and suppress, you know, that's when you start to get into, again, mental impairment. And it was interesting because um, I was reading Harvard Business Review. Um, they've got their negotiation blog and, their, um, and I follow that. And they frequently write about how important it is for people in negotiations to in fact be highly aware of their emotions and allow their emotions in. Because when people suppress emotions or try to suppress their feelings or their anger or their, their grief during a negotiation without recognizing it, it actually really um, uh, reduces their ability to negotiate effectively. There's a, there's a complete performance drop when you try to support, suppress emotions. So yeah, leaders, leaders feel and you need to feel. I, I think for a lot of really important observations there, I, I think first the, the comment on grief, I think is so uh, insightful. And again, uh, citing HBR here, but they, they had a, a great article a few weeks ago uh, called that discomfort you're feeling is grief. I, I think outlining some of the same concepts you've talked about the fact that we're mourning a bunch of things that we've lost and maybe unlike the big G grief where there's a significant loss that, that you outlined, we're feeling it as like micro grief all, all through the day, but all sorts of events, big and small are being canceled. Uh, all sorts of the natural parts of our daily rhythm and the, even the water cooler conversations we expect from work are gone. And, and yeah, there's a real sense of, of loss there. And I think that puts grief as a concept, I think really puts uh, my finger on, on what I've been feeling personally. Um, and I, I think what so many of us are feeling um, I think when you talk about essentially what is vulnerability as a leader is a really important concept too. And something I think that many leaders of all stripes, maybe especially at law firms have this kind of like, you know, the bravado and the, the brave face and the, 
coming across as calm, for example, maybe implies coming across as uh, steely and resolved and, and, and not feeling emotion. Can, can you talk about that, what might seem like a, um, a, a, a dichotomy there between how do you come across as, as calm and measured, but also be vulnerable about, about the fact that, hey, I'm a bit freaked out right now and, and I'm just as uncertain and just as un, at, at a state of unease as, as all of you are in this, uh, in this crazy situation that is the, the COVID-19 crisis. Yeah. So, you know, that's a really interesting question. And um, I'm just going to point everybody who's listening to a really great, the, the be all end all resource on that is Brene Brown's book on leadership. And I think the title is Daring Leadership um, or something along those lines. Dare to lead, I think. Dare to lead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great, great book. Most, it's not her most recent. It's the one before, just one before. It's a fabulous book. And she's got a table in there and it's, she talks about armored leadership, right? And then it's probably daring leadership on the other side. So what you're talking about is being armored up, right? And I think yep. about this a lot, especially with, um, with people in law firms, because in law firms, particularly, I, I, think, I think it's changing, actually. I think we're seeing a lot of change on this front. But, you know, it's so easy to come into work and to feel like you have to be armored up. Yep. Um, and, and what does that mean to be armored up? It, it does mean that you're kind of suppressing emotions. You're kind of pretending that you're... <laughs> You're a little bit cut off here. You're like a little bit of a bobblehead walking around because you're not really feeling your body. Um, and, uh, you know, you're kind of got a bit of a perfectionist thing going on. Like, you know, the, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of pieces to armored leadership. So the question you're asking is, how do you take the armor off, right? And it's, you know, and I think the first thing is to understand, like coming back to that, it's... You have to think as a leader about what, what do I want to be modeling here? And, you know, what do I want to be, how do I want to be showing up? And how do I want to be showing up for the people around me? And this is personal leadership too. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's CEO leadership or top level leadership. How do you personally in your own life want to show up right now? And how can you uh, show up with that kind of authenticity or that, that honesty and that openness? And again, I think it's about doing the personal work so that you can, you can share and let people know that you have been struggling, right? And, and what you have been doing, but at the same time, um, because you've been doing that work, you've got a kind of an inner strength that's coming through. It's not well-spoken. And I looked over at my bulletin board because I usually have, you know, the armored leadership piece right up on my board. And wouldn't you know today it's not there. Um, <laughs> right when you need it. And it's been about a year since I read that book. And it's been a while since I put my head into thinking really hard about it. Well, I, I just double checked the title. It is called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. I think your your recommendation of checking out the book. I think she's also got a Netflix special. Uh, if you don't feel like like reading, I think you can watch the uh, you know the equivalent yeah. of a, I think a, a talk she gives uh, about the book as well. So um, agree with you though. Um, you know, fantastic resource on that side. And maybe before we leave the topic of uncertainty uh, entirely, Allison wanted to. Um, you know, just talk about mindset and, and how you approach uncertainty. You know, is there a way that people can try to find certainty right now? Or, or do you just lean into the fact that everything is uncertain and, 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 and try to build a, some level of stoicism about that? Can, can you walk us through how you think about mindset in such a rapidly evolving and changing world? Um. Okay, so mindset, it's really interesting. So I've got a lot of things to talk about. So there's kind of, they can break it down to a couple of pieces because 
Um, on the uncertainty versus certainty side of things, you know, our brains are wired to get triggered by certain things. And we as human beings are heavily triggered by uncertainty, all of us. It's a major one. So yeah, in times of uncertainty, we do need to find those places where we have certainty. So um, I'll just quickly go there and then we'll kind of work our way up to some of the broader themes. On a really practical level, I've been, I've been doing webinars on this recently. You really want to grab onto some, and I, I call it BS, boundaries and structure. You can create little bits of certainty for yourself in your life, right? Um, using kind of creating a little bit of a structure for your day. When, you, when you're on work and when you're off work, um, you know, when you go for a walk with the kids at three o'clock in the afternoon, or you know, whatever it is, is to be looking at where can you build structure? Because structure gives us all certainty of a kind, and it's really relieving for the brain. And anybody who's a parent who's listening to this knows about this, right? Because we know how well kids do with structure. Yeah. Well, humans too, right? So it's a big piece. And then the other piece is boundaries. Like, and that goes with structure because you don't have boundaries, then your structure starts to crumble. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having, you know, having firm boundaries. And this is a place where I have seen some leadership failures with people like, a, you know, a leader of a team basically having his staff working all the time because, hey, you're at home. So why can't you work on the weekend or on Good Friday or? Right. Right. Um, so backing away from that, it's very important. We want, if as a leader, you'd want to help people be creating some of those structures for themselves. Maybe a little bit more of a structured environment at home as, as they're working than they would normally choose, right? Um, so that's a, that's a way, there's small ways to give yourself some certainty. I, I think that's more important than ever, even if you don't have a, a boss that is trying to blur those lines for you. I think that's happening to a lot of us organically due to our ourselves rather than even an extrinsic force doing that. Yeah. I, I find that, you know, for me, almost the the blurry distinction between being at work and being at home that was maybe already blurry before the COVID-19 crisis only got more ambiguous at, now that I'm working out of my home and what used to be personal space is now workspace and vice versa. So how, how does creating boundaries translate to this, this COVID-19 world where maybe our, you know, at, at least in a physical sense, those boundaries are less clear than they ever were. And, and I, I think you're right. That translates to, you know, expectations that, you know, our coworkers and, and, and bosses might have, but also that we might have on ourselves. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to really change uh, from person to person what those look like. Um, but for, you know, an example from somebody I know is who's a mom and uh, her husband's working too, and they've got two kids and one of them's got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of um, difficulty at school and needs extra help. Yep. And they've created a structure, right, that has, um, you know, a split structure for when each of them is actually um, on full-time parenting. And then, um, you know, on the days that uh, she's actually able to go into an office because of the scenario there and the, the fact there's not a lot of people around. So two days a week, she's able to go into an office and um, she's able to hit it hard, right? Like, she, you know, get 10 hours in that day and it feels great because she's, you know, she's getting a huge amount done on her two days in. And then she's able to be at home kind of hitting a few things here and there, very reduced expectations for what's going on on the other days. Um, and, you know, and she's, and she's getting better and better at creating boundaries and making, making sure that people don't try and book time with her, except for those days when she's actually, you know, having an office day. And so it's been a really interesting experience for her watching, you know, how her boundaries have had to get stronger 
because she's yeah. had less, less flexibility and some of the lessons from this that she can take into her, because I think a lot of people are paying attention now to, hey, this is kind of, after three, two, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in, you know, we're, I'm, I'm starting to get the hang of this. And what can I bring into my APRE COVID life that this, that this is going to help, right? Um, is, is a piece of it. The other piece I want to just talk about is lowering our expectations for ourselves. Because the other thing about uncertainty is as much as we can use structure and boundaries to create a little bit of pockets of certainty in our life, there's a lot. We're on a, you know, we're, we're surfing a wave of uncertainty. And that means that there's going to be times when we get swept up and swept down. And so we have to be kind to ourselves. There's a wonderful mantra for right now, which is, it's okay. You know what? It's okay that I didn't get all that stuff done today. That's okay. <laughs> you know what? It's okay that this afternoon, I think all I can do is kick back and, and goof around with the kids on the carpet or take the, you know, go, go for a walk. If you can do that, like it's okay, right? We have to reduce our expectations. And I'm not saying that we're throwing expectations out the window. We just got to reduce them. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's a really important point. I, I think especially, you know, so many, lawyers are type A personalities that, you know, are in lawyering because they, you know, have high expectations of themselves and, and want to perform and want to be those, uh, those star performers and, and, and accepting anything less than perfection is, is really a foreign concept, but realizing that, hey, it's okay to be freaking out a little bit. It's okay to feel tired at, at, at noon, you know, like those, those things that I think we're all coping with on a daily basis. And, you know, maybe building on, on that observation and, and some of the translating into to tactics and some concrete takeaways for our listeners, Allison, you, you, I'm sure, you know, in working with lawyers, you, you see, you know, high levels of stress and anxiety and depression. And I'm sure in the COVID-19 crisis, it's not doing anything to, to help what is already a, a profession that sees higher than average rates of, all of those afflictions. What, what do you have in terms of strategies that uh, people can deploy uh, against the, the stress and anxiety and depression they might be coping with in, in, this, uh, in this crisis? Stress, anxiety, and depression. Um, you know, and frankly, like a lot of my clients are having a hard time. They're stressed, but they're not like the ones who are depressed are seeing counselors and are getting, are taking medication. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Like I spent well, a lot why don't of I ask you a different question, Allison, which yeah. is what are you seeing from your clients and what kind of, what kinds of strategies are, are you helping them deploy? And, and you can, that, that's maybe a, a more manageable question. Yeah. Okay. So um, a lot of different things are going on right now for my clients. Oh, and sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll take another run of that question okay. just so um, it, it sounds a bit more natural. Um, so Allison, I'm curious what you're seeing from your clients in terms of, you know, elevated states of, of maybe anxiety or, or stress. What, what are you hearing from them now that we're four or five weeks into the, the real meat of this crisis? And what kind of what kinds of strategies are you helping them deploy to to manage those? So there's a whole range of things that are going on right now. So um, on one hand end of the spectrum, we have um, you know economic stress from having right. a reduced a reduced salary uh, or job stress from maybe having a job transition forced on you. 
Yeah. Um, kind of to people who maybe don't have as much work. They're not used to having a plate that's quite so free of work. Like, right. What's this experience? This it. feeling of not being completely slammed. Yeah. And then we've got the people who are actually quite slammed. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot going on. And the ones who are quite slammed with kids and there's a lot going on. Um, and the ones, you know, there's, you know, there's a whole kind of trajectory of, of yep. things that are happening for people right now. Um, you know, what really helps or what are, what are the sort of things that we're talking about? Um, really, we're taught, it's great to have a little bit of a game plan. You know, again, having a bit of making decisions about, I think one of the things that's really, really valuable right now for people in any of those situations is to be thinking about, um, you know, how do I want to show up in this? Like, who do I want to be? Like asking some of those questions, right? Rather than just surviving, what's, I like to kind of shift it a little bit. What's the opportunity here? Like, how do I want to show up? Who do I want to be in this? And where's the opportunity? And opportunity can look like a lot of things, but it comes back to that question you asked me right at the beginning. You know, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about how can I be helping? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my clients are also thinking about that. How can I be helping? Um, What can I be doing? And I've got some of my clients are actually doing, taking the opportunity to do a little work on their values and doing some, you know, value exercises to take, take some time at this time to reflect on what are some of my core values. Um, And we're working on exercises like that to kind of bring those values up into the foreground. So they're more kind of a part of life. And then Mm -hmm. how am I acting on those in this circumstance? Um, It's a great time to kind of be thinking about your, your strengths and what are you really good at? And those tie in with, with your values and how can I bring those forward? Right. Um, it's great to kind of match that with a little bit for a plan for what am I doing this week, right? What are the most important things I want to, I want to, I want to make happen this week? You know, given that I have reduced expectations, there's not as much that I can be doing, what's going to help? You know, it, a plan, it sounds simple, but like a little having a, a game plan is amazing because again, it gives you that certainty. So I'm thinking about uh, a young dad I know who basically is carrying the burden of, um, of, Parenting is, for various reasons, his toddler right now, on his own. He's got an incredibly busy practice. He's slammed with work. He, you know, he's trying to do both. It's extremely hard. What really helps him? Well, on the days where he is, you know, he, his parents take the toddler for a brief period so he gets some time. What helps him is having a game plan for those days. You know, he, he wasn't super organized, but now he's got his list. He knows what he's doing. And so he's able to, like, focus. So if anything that helps give you focus right now is really because we're the uncertainty makes us really super unfocused. So pockets of focus, hugely, hugely valuable. Understanding your, you know, your some of your core values and strengths and and leveraging those and and making sure that you're kind of how am I out there and helping? You know, how, how where are the opportunities for me right now and getting clear on that and and figuring out how you're going to bring them in? That stuff is really, really helpful. Um, I, having, I can't say enough for having a game plan <laughs> for yeah. what you want to, what you're, what you, how you want to be moving through the weeks and what you want to be doing right now. And I, I, I think something I've heard on a, a few different fronts in terms of coping tools is, is having a plan, but also that plan should be shorter term than average. Like you want to plan for tonight. You want to yeah. plan for the weekend. And, and if you're kind of looking forward to those short term things and feel solid about the, the short term that helps you manage the long term, but you kind of take it on a day by day, week by week basis. And you're not saying, here's my plan for the next year. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Exactly. Like it's the 24 hour plan. Um, and it's funny, the other piece of having a plan like that, there's another piece that goes hand in hand with it was for us to strengthen our noticing, our personal noticing ability, just checking in with yourself and like kind of noticing like what, where am I at emotionally right now? Yeah. Like, how am I feeling? What's my energy level? You know, I did that the other day and I realized, wow, I have been going full tilt since January. I'm actually exhausted. So I'm taking a, I'm having a COVID staycation yeah. uh, in May for three days, right? Because I realized, uh, you know what? Too much screen time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like I really need to unwind. And yeah, I got to do it at home. So I'll do it at home. Yeah, I, I uh, coincidentally just at, at the town hall for, for Clio, which is our, our weekly virtual gathering now for the whole company. Uh, one of the things I, I, I did was encourage everyone to take their vacation time, which a lot of people are it maybe even inadvertently not taking today or holding out for getting on the other side of the, the, the pandemic and the shutdown and being able to go somewhere nice. And my, uh, my position was we're going to be in this for a while and your expectations of what vacation is going to look like should be very much along the lines of a staycation, but take those breaks and take the break from screen time and disconnect from, from email. Uh, so, and a so, couple, couple more things about yeah, that. Go mind. ahead. Um, and get out in nature. Like, yes. Oh my goodness. Even if nature is like, you know, a lone tree on the street, whatever it is for you, but get outside, like breathe, breathe the air outside. It's huge. So much peer reviewed research that shows that getting out in nature has a good impact on your mental health too. You know, that, that it's a really proven fact that I, I, I think people maybe appreciate intrinsically, but don't know just how impactful it is. And it's one of the easiest things you can do to, to start building great mental health. And it's so funny, right? Because there are two things, right? It's like go outside and oh my goodness, take some deep breaths. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but on the I, I just want to talk for a moment about stress. The other thing I want to say to people is if you really do notice I am, I've been, I've been very, very stressed. I'm very, very anxious. This is not like to an unusual degree. It's becoming very difficult. I can see that it's impairing me. It's making it hard for me with my family. You know, one of the great things right now is you can access counseling. So I, you know, I'm a coach and there's, and coaching is great for a lot of things. And so is counseling. And there, I know like so many great counselors out there who are now doing Zoom um, consultations. I mean, literally counseling is just a, you know, an email away for you. So I would say to anybody who is finding themselves in a, experiencing an unusual degree of depression, there's, it's starting to become a problem. It's, it's difficult. Um, reach out to a counselor. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know where to find one, you know, the lawyer's assistance programs can probably guide you. Or if you've got an employee assistance program that can probably an EAP, I think it is, yep. um, they can, they can help you connect you, but there's some, there's lots of great resources there. And it, and definitely the, the, the one, the only mistake you can make is to not reach out for help. That's, That's uh, great and very important advice. And everyone should remember there's always help out there looking to give help when it's, when it's needed. And there's always somebody to, uh, to call. Uh, Allison, I, I, this has been a hugely useful conversation full of lots of, of practical advice. I, I wanted to wrap up if you might be able to, to share uh, your main message to, to others, speaking to them either as, legal professionals or, or simply as human beings? There's so much that's important right now, but you know, one of the metaphors I've been using a lot in my, in my work is, is just imagine for yourself that you're on a really great surfboard on the ocean and the ocean is the uncertainty 
And the board is those things that really help you show up every day. So let's talk about what that board is. You know, we've talked about it a little bit. It's the BS, right? You know, setting your boundaries and your structure, right? So that you've got something that's giving you a little bit of certainty. Yeah. You know, it's your self-care. So it's checking in with yourself and noticing, you know, wow, I'm stressed out. Wow, I'm angry. Actually, I feel okay right now, whatever it is. But, you know, kind of a daily or a couple times daily check-in, not a bad thing to do. And when you're stressing out, do a couple of things that are going to help you. Get outside. Take a moment and breathe. You know, maybe do a little yoga or some exercise in your apartment, whatever it is, right? But that's part of that board that supports you as well, as is your community and reaching out to people. And I know there's a lot of that going on right now, which is great. So keep doing that, right? That's part of also the board that will keep you afloat. And the other piece is that having your eye on your horizon. Where are you going, right? Um, and, and that might be your 24-hour plan, like we talked about, right. right? Or it might be the sense of who and how you want to be showing up at this time. So, you know, imagine yourself on that board. Your board is going to be distinct to you. Mine is distinct to me, but have your surfboard and, and put attention into what, you know, what's going to support you in staying out of the waves. And when you get flipped off it and you land in the water, that's okay. Splash around a little bit, do what you need to get back on the board. That's a, a really powerful metaphor. And I think a great takeaway for us today. Thanks so much for joining us, Allison. I uh, look forward to talking to you again and, uh, and stay healthy out there. Oh, thank you. You too, Jack. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com. 